0: Okay, um, I am ready to get into this, so if you would, bow your heads with me, and we're going to start off with a word of prayer, as we always do, because we need God's help for this. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity to, uh, I want to say, gather. And in one sense, we, we are, Lord, we've put aside uh, time in our schedules to sit down and focus our attention on the Word of God and on the God of the Word. And Lord, I pray you please give me wisdom. Uh, you know that this is this is an awkward method in which to do it, but Lord, we're still preaching the Word. And it doesn't matter, Lord, what the technology is. We need the hand of God. We need the Spirit of God. We need that anointing and that unction from heaven. Lord, for myself for every preacher, wherever the gospel is going out, we want it to be in a way, viral. We want it to spread. We want the truth to go uh, far and fast. Lord, please guide us today. Let this lesson be a help. Let it minister to people. Let it offer answers and comfort and clarity on our current situation in this world. And we thank you that we can turn to you for grace and comfort and answers and a peace that passes all understanding. Please help us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8, and as you find that, as I find that, let me welcome any visitors that we're having. I, I can see there's a count on my screen of how many people are viewing, but I, I don't know who they are, so there's a chance that there might be some uh, visitors. Uh, on, on the live stream watching this. So welcome to any of you that uh, maybe not so familiar with us. We appreciate you being with us this morning. And we do hope this this lesson, this sermon, will uh, be a blessing to you. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 37 is where we're going to begin. And uh, I'm going to cover these questions today in the lesson. This is the order in which we'll do it. We're going to talk today about... Is this coronavirus, this COVID-19, is this a punishment from God? All right, so we'll look at that. And then we're going to talk about why doesn't God put a stop to it? I think that's a fair question a lot of people are wondering about. Number three, is this an indicator that the end times are upon us? And then lastly, what is the proper Christian response? So we're going to try to deal with this as comprehensively as we can in, in one lesson. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 37. This is the context here. Is Solomon is praying. They've just finished the building of the temple. He's dedicating the temple now through prayer. And he says this, If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence. Now that's, that's the word that we're going to focus in on today. Pestilence, like a plague, It's an epidemic or pandemic. It's a disease that spreads rapidly and spreads across an entire country or even to other countries. That's a pestilence. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, What prayer, verse 38, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel. Notice the individual application to this and the national application. That's something you want to be mindful of. He says, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. Verse thirty nine. Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou even thou only knowest the hearts of all the children of men, that they may fear thee, all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto their fathers, uh, unto our fathers. Sorry. So I, I want you to especially notice we're dealing in verse thirty seven with several different problems that can come upon a nation. And when sickness, specifically, hits a nation, right, it doesn't have to affect every individual in the nation. It sometimes can hit one family, not another, one individual, not another. Hence, in verse 38, there's, there's a national aspect to this, but then also a personal side to this. So, when sickness spreads throughout a land. When a pestilence hits, it is time to start praying. That's what I'd like for you to see first. It is time to start praying. Whatsoever sickness there be, then immediately, verse 38, what prayer or supplication soever be made by any man. So then it's time to start praying. And that's the reason I'm I'm coming to this passage, uh, we can talk more about this specific prayer and the promises that go with it because God did say if my people humble themselves, turn unto God and pray that he would um, heal their land. That's in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and that goes along with this prayer. It's the same context, but, but we need to be sure that we read the entire story there. This is a promise given to Israel and it was conditional. These people, if, if if they prayed and humbled themselves, then yes, there was a, a promise for healing. But uh, if somebody gets out of line, that there was a there was a promise for punishment as well. We're going to look at that today. Whatever the case is, when a person, be, uh, or or a nation, or a world in this in this instance gets sick, it's time to start praying. Uh, something else you want to notice: there might be a plague in the land. But in verse thirty, is it thirty-eight? There's also a plague in every man's heart. So yes, we need to investigate, ask questions. What's going on around us? How does this affect society? But then this is also a wonderful time to do some personal reflection and check your heart, and uh, say, God is. What what the uh, the situation that's going on? What am I supposed to learn from this? How, is is there something maybe that I could do differently in my life that will. Um, I don't want to say affect the outcome of the entire thing, but it might affect how you handle it personally. So this is the this is the time to start praying about those things. So we're going to get right into uh, these questions that I mentioned. Come to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse number 14. Leviticus 26 and verse 14. And we're going to look first, is this a punishment from God? Is this a punishment from God? Leviticus 26 and verse 14. I've heard some people say that God never makes people sick. That's the devil's job. Guys, that's just not true. In times like these, you need to deal with facts. You need truth. The last thing you need is misinformation, whether we're dealing with a virus or we're dealing with spiritual matters. Misinformation is is devastating. So to think that God would never do this, that's that's just not the case. There, it is possible that God can send a sickness. Now don't but please hang on a few moments because we're going to say more about that. There's more to the story there, but I want to show you this in Scripture, Leviticus twenty six and verse fourteen. But if ye will not hearken unto me, this is the Lord speaking to Israel, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments so that you will not do all my commandments but that you break my covenant verse 16 i also will do this unto you i will i will even appoint over you terror then now that terror that's a broad category i think terrorist but there's a lot of things that terrify people and with what follows it looks like sorry it looks like we're talking about a pestilence i will uh, even appoint over you terror consumption Consumption is a, the old way of talking about tuberculosis. And the burning ague. Now, an ague, that's a word we don't use very often, but that's a fever, a very high fever that produces chills. So I've had malaria several, several times. Um, I've even heard people that uh, they said the ague is malaria. I think I think the ague goes with malaria, but you, you're burning up, but at the same time, you have this chill, so that's the burning of you. He says, uh, "And the burning of you that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it." So God, as a punishment to the nation of Israel, not obeying His word, says, I'll, "There are sicknesses I would send." Now there are other problems that He can cause to happen, but or uh, yeah, He 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 can make happen. But uh, that sickness is certainly. Uh, part of it come down to verse number twenty-three. Verse twenty-three, he says, and if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you. So isn't that something they? God allows a war to happen, brings brings war to this land to punish them. They gather together for protection, but God says, you guys haven't learned the lesson yet, and then he sends something else, a pestilence that they can't hide from. Um, you probably heard it on the news. Donald Trump is calling himself a wartime president, and and some other people, other leaders, are also referring to this situation as that of a, a of a war, but against an invisible enemy. I find it interesting how that works together, even in the Bible. He says, "And you shall be delivered into the hand of your enemy." So I've shown you these verses so that you can see there are times that God does send a pestilence as a punishment. Uh, you might remember in David's case. You can read about this in Second Samuel twenty-four, and then also in I think it's First Chronicles twenty-one. Uh, David. Uh, sinned. He had all the people numbered. He, his heart was filled with pride, and then as a punishment, not just for what David did, but all of Israel deserved it at that point. But as a punishment, God sent the prophet Gad, and he said, "Gad, you explain it to David." And he has three choices. He can choose seven years of famine, three months of war, three days of pestilence. So David went with the the latter because. He he thought this is the, the the least of the three. Furthermore, it's not going to last as long. But he he also his decision was based on uh, where he would find the most mercy. And he figured three days pestilence, the Lord's going to have the most mercy in this situation. So David said, "Let me go with that." Uh, in three days, seventy thousand people died. Three days. That that's an incredible number in three days. And you can. When you look in the Bible at various times that God has sent a pestilence, there's, there's a story in the book of Numbers where the people were complaining against the Lord. And Moses and Aaron, they're going up against Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and God sends down the fire from heaven and opens up the earth. And even after that, the people still complained and said, "Yeah, you, you, Moses and Aaron, you've killed the people of the Lord. And right then a plague started. God sent a pestilence and... Moses told Aaron, run in there, make an atonement. And just in the time it took Aaron to run to the tabernacle, uh, if, if memory serves, it was 14,000-something people had died. So God can, can and has used pestilence in the past as a punishment. Now, one thing I'd like to show you about this. Come to Jeremiah 21. How do we know? Right? Not all sicknesses are punishments. Is it possible? Yes. Yes, it is definitely possible. But how do we know for sure that what's happening is a punishment? Now, biblically, let me give you the the precedent we have. Jeremiah 21 and verse number 3. Jeremiah 21 verse number 3. It says, Then said Jeremiah unto them, Thus shall ye say to Zedekiah, and just come on down to verse 6, And I will smite the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out, Jeremiah sent by God to tell the king this pestilence that's about to hit, it's a punishment. If God is punishing a nation, then God will reveal somehow that that pestilence is meant as a punishment. If he reveals it, then we know then the question is answered. this is a punishment, and the people would then know if we repent, this punishment can can go away uh, which that's that's the precedent we have that's the example set in in uh, places like First King's Eight, where we started off there It was a conditional promise, but what about cases where something like coronavirus is spreading around, and we don't have a jeremiah we don't have a singular prophet of God to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, this is why it's happening. In such cases, what you can do is go through the Bible and check other places and, and and see, okay, if a nation is guilty of these sins, then it is not unheard of that God sends these punishments. And we can at least narrow it down. We we may not be able to say with any defense Uh, definitiveness, yes, definitely, this is a punishment from God because prophet so-and-so said. We we may not have that, but we can look at the Bible and see when a nation does this, God does that, so there might be a chance that this is a punishment from God. I'm not going to go that far. God is not, I mean, I have done plenty of praying about this. God has not put it on my heart in any way to stand up and say, official declaration, thus saith the Lord, this is a punishment on the world. I I don't have that information. Um, I would caution people from saying such things because anytime God makes those kind of revelations, you have to confirm the word, right? So God would go out of his way to make that very clear that it is indeed him. It is not just that man coming up with his own opinion, so I'm not trying to incite fear in anybody to say, hey, this is a punishment from God. There's nothing we can do. We're all going down. It's, I don't think it's like that at all. There are plenty of cases in the Bible where uh, sickness happens for just natural causes. And I would advise, if any of you have not had the discipleship lesson on healing, we explain this in that lesson, that sometimes God can bring a, punish, uh, a sickness as a punishment, Sometimes it's for his glory. God allows a sickness or brings a sickness so that he can do something amazing in due time and thus get glory. And then there are some sicknesses that happen. It's just natural causes. You can almost say accidental things where, uh, especially in this case, somebody doesn't wash uh, their hands and then shakes the hand of the next guy and off it goes. That That's part of living in a fallen and unclean world. Uh, take your Bible, come to Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 26, and I'm so sorry, you could probably hold Jeremiah because we'll be right back to that, but Exodus 15 and verse number 26. While, while you find that, let me remind you, we can ask God, is, are you punishing the world? Is that what this virus is meant to do? Is it meant to to, to bring the people of the world to repentance? Is this a message from God? We can ask that. And and if God were to do the appropriate miracles, to confirm such a word and raise up a prophet, God could could do that. But I want to remind you that you personally, the same thing you can do on a national level, praying and asking God, why is this happening? If you get sick, you can also ask God the same questions as it pertains to you personally. God, why am I sick? Why did you allow me to get sick? Is this a punishment? Uh, did you allow this to come to me as a punishment? It would do do you well to search your own heart. As we started off in 1 Kings 8, know the plague of your own heart. Is, is there a reason you've let you've allowed this happen to me? Now, the next question or the next part I want to deal with is, all the verses we've looked at deals with Israel. What about Gentiles? What about how God would deal with the rest of the world? Is it the same as He would deal with Israel? Well, look at Exodus 15 and verse 26. It says uh, that God's speaking here, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments, and will keep all His statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So two things you see in that verse. Number one, God's conditional promise for the nation of Israel. If they're obedient, God heals them. Disobedient, he brings diseases. The other thing you can see in this, God will bring diseases on Gentile nations. So that's applicable, I believe, even till today. I I see nothing in the Bible that would have changed that truth. God can see what's happening in a society and allow a sickness to come in and get that society's attention. So forgive me, come back to Jeremiah chapter 5, and I'm going to show you just a few examples of how God's dealings with Israel can also be applicable or at least set a bit of a Uh, an example, a template almost, for how he would deal with everyone else. Jeremiah 5 and verse number 7. Jeremiah 5, verse 7. Alright, Jeremiah 5 and verse 7. I'm just taking a moment to check and see what the messages are. This is so interesting. I've never been able to use technology like this. Forgive me. I'm old. I'm impressed by such simple things. Jeremiah 5, verse 7. The Bible says here, How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, then, or they then committed adultery, and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. So you have idolatry mentioned, and you have widespread adultery. Fornication. They're well-fed horses. That means they have too much. They have too much. They're bored. So they just go from place to place, go to the harlot's house. What would God do to a people like this? Verse 8, they were as fed horses in the morning. Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I, verse 9, shall I not visit for these things? God said, you expect me to just sit back and let that happen? I can't just let that happen but watch the next part and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this now notice the wording there he didn't say that i'm going to avenge this on israel only and the gentiles are a different story such a nation as this that becomes an all inclusive thing when that when these sins become rampant god you can't expect god to sit back and do nothing He has to step up and do something. Uh, Look at it again at the end of the chapter. Jeremiah 5, verse 28. They are wax and fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper. And the right of the needy uh, do they not judge. Guys, this is corruption. That, that That is corruption at a High level now obviously it applies in the lower level as well, but we 're talking about the judges, the leaders of the land They're, this speaks loudly to what we have going on all around us in this country corruption and the, the the right of the needy right the people that really at the end of the day are hardest hit are the people who need the most help so verse twenty nine shall I not visit for these things, so idolatry, corruption, and then uh, 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 idolatry, adultery, corruption, shall I not visit for these things saith the Lord shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this same same statement I just want you to see that that God will not tolerate stuff of this nature look one more time, one more time quickly Jeremiah 9 verse eight, Jeremiah nine and verse eight. Jeremiah 9 and verse 8. It says, Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in heart he layeth his weight. Lies, flattery, things of that nature. Uh, this is telling the other person what they want to hear so that you can get what you want out of them, which, if I'm not mistaken, that's a very common practice in business. You know? This is the salesperson telling you it looks great on you when it really doesn't, just so that you buy it. <laughs> I mean, it would fall into that heading. I think Jeremiah is probably dealing with something a little worse than that, but it, it, it's in the same vein as that. Verse 9, Shall I not visit them for these things, saith the Lord, and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? So you can see the types of sins that God will not tolerate. And this would be universally applicable, not just to, gen, or to Jews, but Gentiles as well. So the first question, is this a punishment from God? The answer, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. However, God, if this, if this pandemic arose through natural means, that is, it, it, you know, one thing led to the other, this accidentally touched that, which is possible, right? If that's how it arose, God can use it as a punishment in certain individuals' lives, even in certain nations. That's one possibility. Or God could have orchestrated this disease and brought it upon certain people, certain lands, and maybe the entire world because of these sins. So is it possible? Well, yes. Can we say with any certainty, definitely, this is a punishment from God? I don't have a verse of Scripture to back that up. I don't know of any any revelation from the Lord, special revelation that He's given to anybody that has been properly confirmed in line with what you would see in the Bible so that we could say that definitively. So, is it a punishment? Could be. If you're sick, start praying. Say, God, is this a punishment? If it is, God will put His finger on it and say, yes, this is why I'm allowing this to happen in your life and If you fix it, I'll take the sickness away. If you don't fix fix it, then you're going to continue to learn your lesson until you get it right. This is what James 5 talks about. You call for the elders of the church. This is why you would do it. You, You say, Pastor, I've been to the doctor. I've taken this medicine and it's just not coming right. Can you please help me to discern if this illness is being caused by some spiritual problem in my life? Is, is this me and the Lord having an issue that I need to fix? And that's where the pastors, the elders of the church can help you. That's why it says in James 5, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. Because sometimes that physical sickness stems from a spiritual problem. So individually, start praying, start praying. All right, is it a punishment from God? We're not sure, could be. Number two, why doesn't God put a stop to this? Well, if it's a punishment, then obviously there would have to be repentance first. So we've already dealt with that. But what if it's not a punishment? What if this is affecting innocent people? Because I think it's safe to say with the enormous amount of people that have already been affected, there are certainly some people that are innocent. And I say innocent, that is, they did not do anything directly to deserve such a thing. Um, And God forbid, I, I have heard of a, a few cases of young children with this. Why, why would God allow that? Why wouldn't God step in and, first of all, prevent it? But then, once it hits that quote unquote innocent party, why not immediately fix it? Why not heal them? All right, let me show you Psalm 91. Psalm 91. And I, I'd like for you definitely to turn to that in your Bible because this has become a very popular passage. Uh, and you'll see why. If you haven't read Psalm 91 recently, you will immediately see why this is a very applicable passage. And, and, and a wonderful passage, by the way. Wonderful. Alright, let's take a look at Psalm 91 and verse number 3. Psalm 91 and verse 3. It says, he, or, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, an annoying, a grievous pestilence. So here you have a promise for God's deliverance from this. Now let's keep reading. Thou shalt, I'm I'm sorry, verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings thou shalt trust, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the Pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. If you just stop right there and ignore the context, whew, what a tremendous promise. I don't have to be afraid of a pestilence. Thousands of people all around me will die, but it will not come near me. That's That passage is breathtaking, but we need more. We, we need more information. Verse 8, Only with thine eyes, he says, shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Now, This passage, I've heard it used this week by certain preachers to tell people that if a Christian... Now, you have to be saved in order for this to be applicable, according to these preachers. If you're saved, that means you're in Christ. So in verse 1, you are dwelling in the secret place. They say that's Christ. In the Old Testament, it was a secret. Now we know it's Christ. So if you're in Christ, they say... And you believe these promises, then nothing can harm you. No pestilence, no plague can come nigh your dwelling. Be very careful about that. I find that to be, I find that to be reckless. Actually, reckless to teach something like that. The same person that I heard this from. They also teach that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only paid for your sins, but he took away your sin. Your sinful nature is now gone. So there's a whole lot of problems with that teaching. But I want you to think this through with me. If somebody believes this and says, hey, I can't get sick, well, then they, they might be tempted to put themselves in harm's way with good intentions, mind you. Going out and ministering to people, thinking, I can't get sick. I I, I wouldn't want anybody... Listen, this is a wonderful chapter. And it does show us the power of God to protect the righteous. It does. Please understand, there's great comfort. There's great lessons to be learned about the mercy, the love, the care, the comfort of God, the protection. All of that's there. But don't forget its context. Look at verse 8. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. This is one of those cases where God is sending a pestilence or a war. That's also mentioned in here. He is sending a punishment. And because it is a God-ordained punishment, God is saying the righteous will not be affected, only the wicked will be affected. In such a case... Then yes you can you can grab onto these promises and say listen i'm I'm on the right side of this. I have God's promise that it won't come near me and I believe especially if if you take David as the author, which it kind of sounds like David wrote this um, if you apply it to that situation I mentioned at the beginning, where seventy thousand people died you, you can see where such a promise would be very comforting that if you're dwelling in the secret sequ- secret place and have God's uh, blessing, His hand upon you to protect you, then this would be a great comfort. But I I don't think... We'd first have to establish that what's going on around us is one of these God-ordained plagues before we could come to a promise like this. And and even then, this is something that... I'm not going to throw it out just because it's in the Old Testament, but I, I I would want... I would want to see something um, where God makes a similar promise in the New Testament, right? To people in the body of Christ to say the national sickness hits, then you have this full blown protection just because you're in Christ. I don't I don't see that in the New Testament. Because Paul got sick, Timothy got sick, he had often infirmities. Was he did he lack faith? Was he not in Christ? What about Jim Elliot? Famous missionary in in South America that was, he he was if I'm not mistaken they threw a spear and killed him uh, while he was trying to minister to the natives there. But according to verse five he shouldn't be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. What about John Patton's wife? A few months after John Patton arrived on the island of the New Hebrides, his baby son I think three months old passed away of fever and then. It was just a couple months later, his wife also died. He had to bury them both. That was a sickness that hit. So be very careful about grabbing onto promises that are not applicable to your situation. But at the same time, please don't be afraid to turn to passages like this and see that God can and is able to protect the righteous. So if you find help and comfort in this passage, I don't mean to take that away from you. I just want you to have a fuller understanding of what that passage is about. Notice, though, that a a pestilence can be selective. It can target the wicked and not the righteous. Now, we know that God has already shown that He can do this because in the plagues that hit Egypt, right, when the blood was over the doorpost, whatever that plague was for the firstborn, it didn't hit the Israelites that had the blood on the doorpost. It hit the Egyptians. Now I understand the picture and all that. I do. I, the 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 allegorical uh, allegorical lesson you learn in that is if you're saved and covered by the blood of Christ, then you have no fear of the second death. that That second death will never affect you, right? That's that is the pr- proper allegorical application to that. But to say that because I have the blood of Christ over my doorpost, then no plague or sickness can come near me, that's not consistent with the New Testament. That won't work. That won't work. So back to this question of why doesn't God put a stop to it? And I showed you this because some people have turned to it to say, definitely, God is not going to allow it on me. That may not be the case. I don't want you to get your hopes up and then if something happens and you get sick, you think God has failed you. I don't, I don't want you to go down that path. Why doesn't God put a stop to all this? This runs in line with the the problem of evil. If God is all-powerful and all-good, then why do bad things still happen to good people? Now, I don't want to wax theological. and that, that can turn into an entire lesson and sermon by itself, so I'm not going to go down that path in explaining all that. I have explained it in church before. I've explained it in Bible school. I'm just going to say this for now. Um, We live in a fallen world, and this fallen world is not God's fault. It is man's fault. Um, We are dealing with the consequences of human decisions, not God's. God is aware that we live in a fallen world. God is aware that people do suffer And God is ready and able to provide the necessary grace to get individuals through any situation. So when we look at this and say, why doesn't God stop it? Why would He allow it? Let me ask you this. You that are fathers, you that are parents, moms and dads, you'll understand this. When you brought your children into the world, you knew there was a good chance that at some point they would suffer. Somebody would bully them. They would fall and scrape their knee. They would grow up and make decisions that you wouldn't agree with. You knew that there was a chance that something would go wrong in your child's life. And and even though you knew that, you still brought them into the world. You decided to have a family. Why did you do that? Even though you knew that there might be suffering involved. you, You did it anyway because the privilege of having a relationship with that child, the love, the joy, the absolute pleasure of watching that child grow into a responsible adult and having a loving relationship with that child, a lifelong relationship, it was worth any potential suffering. Now, moms, dads, can you, should you stand next to your child the entire time that child is growing up, watching over his or her shoulder, making sure nothing ever bad happens to him. We know a lot of parents that are overprotective and I'm sympathetic to that. I care about my kids. I don't want any unnecessary evil to happen in their life. I, I want to advise them to avoid uh, bad decisions and problems. And I, but I can't, I can't live over my son or my daughter's shoulder. What I can do is this. I can teach them, train them, nurture them, advise them, pray for them, and then say, if anything happens, whether it's your fault, it's your mistake, or whether it's an accident that happened in in your life, I'm there for you. I'll be there for you. Guys, that is what God does for us. Did he know that there was a chance, if he creates mankind, that they could fall and then Mankind might be faced with these kind of things, with pestilences, with wars, with famines. Yes, God was aware that all of these things were possible, but the upside, the, the other side to this is God also knew he could have loving relationships with you and I. And God knew no matter what the suffering was, he would be there for you and comfort you and get you through that. And it could actually help build your relationship with him. Let let me read you something I recently came across. Ravi Zacharias, in one of his books, said this. The greatest disappointment and resulting pain you can feel is when you have just experienced that which you thought would bring you the ultimate in pleasure, and it has let you down. Pleasure without boundaries produces a life without purpose. That is real pain. So if you think about it this way, if there were no chance for suffering ever, then we would not appreciate the good days. If there was no death, we, it, would, it would take away from the value and meaning of life. So when you look at this and maybe you start to doubt God and say, why would God allow these things? Understand that God, it's not that necessarily He uh, determined this to happen, but God can take this and use it for good in a believer's life. That He can do. He can shed abroad His love in your heart as a result of this. All right, let me try to deal with the next question. Is this an indicator that the end times are upon us? All right, come to Matthew chapter 24 for this. Matthew chapter 24. All right, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 7. Matthew 24, verse, we're going to read 6 and 7. They, Jesus has been asked about the, the signs of the end times. And he says in verse 6, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. He says all these are the beginning of sorrows. All right, these, Jesus said all these are the beginnings of sorrows. He did not, in this passage, say anything about the coronavirus specifically. He did say pestilences, plural. And if you look back in recent history, there have been several pestilences. Uh, the fact that this one seems to be affecting the world in such a dramatic way, more than the other ones have, there might have been more dangerous viruses that have happened before this one. I, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to try to even comment on on how dangerous this one is in comparison. But this one is effectively, I hope I'm not overstating it to say shutting down the world. So it's certainly getting people's attention when it comes to end times Scenarios so Jesus simply said that before the before the end comes, there's going to be all these problems in diverse places, and one of them is pestilences. This is as close as I can come to showing a verse that would that would somehow tie what we 're going through to the end times so I, I'm not going to make any prophetic claims based on on that verse as it pertains to coronavirus. Um, I will, however paint this picture for you. I have never been able to envision anything outside of the rapture that could unite the world so quickly. I, if you think about natural disasters, right? They, they happen in one location or the other, and it generally doesn't bring the whole world together to do something about it. Same thing with a war. Wars are fought in certain locations. Now, the rest of the world might feel the effects of it, but it wouldn't necessarily bring them all together. World War II came close, right? You had the formation of the UN as a result of that. It started in 1948, just after the war ended in 45, And they were supposed to be a peacekeeping group meant to stop any other big wars from breaking out. Now, I've, I've always had it in my head that when the rapture happens, this would be a global event that would cause the nations to come together, form a think tank or a task force or whatever you want to call it that would say, okay, we need to know how to deal with a global crisis. We need to know how to stop global travel and the banking and financial systems and all. At the very least... I think this virus is showing the world that it is possible for all the nations to work together and deal with global shutdown. So I, I, I am not going to pretend that th- that this is it. This the rapture is going to happen any day now because of this. We need to live like the rapture is going to happen any day now, just because the Lord promised He would come. Right? We don't need a special sign to so that we should start preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord. But I do see the way that the governments have reacted to this, it is certainly conditioning the world to be much more accepting of a unified effort, of, a, of global governance. And there are verses that clearly talk about a one-world government that forms in the end time. So I, I can see how this would play into that. So I, I think, obviously, every day we're alive, we're getting closer to the, to the coming of the Lord. I see now how it could be even more easily put in place, all those necessary pieces, so that we have the fulfillment of that one world government. And that would, that would simply be another indicator that the coming of the Lord draws nigh. But, guys, at the end of the day, we should be ready regardless. We should be living as if the Lord's coming tomorrow at all times. All right, and then the last thing I want to deal with. Uh, What is the proper Christian response to this? Uh, The saying that I've always heard, you've heard it as well, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. I think that's a fitting statement for this. But what about this question? Should we be afraid? Should we be afraid? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, when Paul wrote that verse to Timothy, he was specifically thinking about persecution, not pestilence. However, there's no verse that says we should be afraid of whatever it is, sickness, persecution, whatever the problem might be. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So there's, there's never a verse that says this is the time to be afraid. Uh, I, I'll take that back. There is, there is one place in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said to his apostles, don't, feel, don't fear them that can kill the body and not the soul. Yea, rather, fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. If there's anything to fear, it's your spiritual condition. Am I ready to meet the Lord? Now that's something that you need to take seriously. Right? Please understand. I am not saying that we walk out, puff chest, and be reckless with our lives say, I'm saved, I have nothing to fear. I'm I'm not suggesting that we live like that. I'm all for obeying the government um, suggestions or regulations of social isolation and distancing and no big gatherings. I have no issues with with what they're doing. I think those things are smart, right? I I think that's the right thing to do. Don't be reckless. But if you're going to fear something, if you're going to fear something, you need to fear that your standing with God is not where it should be. Jesus said, Fear not them which destroy the body, but cannot destroy the soul. Coronavirus, COVID-19, cannot destroy the soul. It can destroy a body, but not your soul. The question you want to ask yourself is, am I ready? Am I ready, if something happens to my body, am I ready to meet the Lord? If I get sick, am I spiritually ready to deal with this? I'm not telling you to ignore your physical responsibilities. Take your vitamins. Wash your hands. Do all of the things that the, 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 that the experts are recommending But don't forget in this time to to make sure your soul is where it needs to be. Let me read you a quote. This is something from the 1500s. Martin Luther wrote this about the Black Death. The Black Death. He said this, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. This, Now this was Martin Luther dealing with uh, a plague in his day. It sounds as if he wrote this for today. This is exactly, I think, the exact type of attitude that any believer should take towards what's going on now. Take your medicine, fumigate, stay clean, protect yourself. If you see harm coming, you don't have to put yourself in harm's way. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. You can see this even in the life of Jesus. When an angry mob comes to take him, he avoids them and gets out of the way. Several times he did this. There might become an exceptional case Where God calls upon you to minister even though it is a somewhat dangerous situation. These are exceptional cases. David with Goliath, right? You normally don't have to go out looking for a giant to take down. Somebody had to do it. God called upon David. David answered the call. When Jesus went to the cross, this is not him being reckless with his life. It was a special and exceptional case. So you might get the opportunity in the near future to minister to somebody. And you might be called upon. You might even even volunteer for it. To go to a hospital or to go to somebody's house and deliver food or medicine to them. Are you taking a risk in doing that? Yes. And I would ask you to be cautious, right? To be cautious. uh, To walk circumspectly. Be careful as you do it. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. You need to stay healthy so that you can continue to minister to other people. If God, however, gives you the opportunity to be a blessing and a help to someone else, we are still Christians. We should take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10, it's a very general verse, but I think it will speak to this situation. Galatians 6 and 10. By the way, Paul was sick when he wrote this. Paul was sick when he ministered to people. He said in verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So as you get opportunities, guys, please feel free to take advantage of those. Do so smartly. Do so smartly. Uh, I'm going to show you one last passage before we finish up. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 28, we have a passage here talks about uh, a famine now there are three things that god uses to punish a land if it's god bringing the punishment famine war pestilence those three you can see it throughout the bible in this case we see a famine in verse 28 there stood up one of them named agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world so a dearth is a death to the earth it's a it's a famine There should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. And history has confirmed that this did happen. Verse 29, then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So the reason I'm showing you this, there was a crisis in this part of the world. It hit the then known world. The church organized its efforts to do something about it. I want to say, I, I, I'm going to use the phrase, they took advantage of that opportunity. You realize I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use the phrase carefully, but they saw an opportunity. They saw an opportunity, and they made the most of it. They said, this is a chance for us to help some folks. Now, they, Paul went around and collected, took up offerings from various churches and brought it back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Throughout his ministry, he would do this. And uh, it started with what we read there in Acts chapter 11. In our church, we would like to do the same thing. I'm going to show you now. I went out and got some brown paper bags. We got some packs of tissues. We're going to get some other things to put in the bags. But what we'd like to do is, is put together these little care packages. We are not doctors, most of us. I know we have a few in our, in our church, but most of us are not medical in, you know workers. We're not doctors or nurses but they are on the front lines of this. I would like to put together a little care package, put a gospel track in there, put some tissues, some soap, some vitamins, whatever is appropriate. And then we will take this to the hospitals and hand them to these doctors and nurses, just a way to say thank you for being a hero in this time. It's something we can do, right? It's something we can do. I wanna make this clear, if you're in our church, and you need help, even if you're not in our church and you need help, this is still true, please feel free to call. If you're not feeling well and you need someone to go pick something up for you, guys, this is the time for us to show each other as brothers and sisters in Christ how much we care and how much we can do for each other. Please, please take advantage of that. You can go to our website, bbcpotch.com. You can get all the contact information. If we can do something for you, please let us know. I have called several members this week, the, the members that were maybe at, at a higher risk, and I have made sure that they're okay. If, if, offering to pick something up from the store for them, guys, do what you can. Um, let me also say this: something that I've often heard uh, from a lot of people in town, is Pastor, we're so busy. Yo, we're so busy. We're all the time running here and there. There's too much to do. You know, this is going to slow a lot of people down and if we're isolated if you got to spend a little more time at home take advantage of this time this doesn't have to be uh a bad thing i mean staying at home that can be a really great opportunity moms dads you get to spend some quality time with your children take advantage of that make some memories in this time play some board games laugh tell stories ask questions watch some good movies together, some edifying things, uh, this is possibly possibly some time for some of you to catch up on your Bible reading. Say, so how should a Christian respond? A Christian should be resourceful and vigilant in this time and, and diligent and take advantage of this, opporti- uh, this opportunity and say, I have time now to spend a little more time in prayer and read my Bible a little more. And, you know, if you're stuck at home for a couple of weeks, you could go online and and do a lot of of the uh, Bible school classes. There are so many things you can do with this extra time. The book of Proverbs says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. So the stronger your spirit is, the better chance you have of overcoming physical infirmity. So why not take advantage now? Don't Just take the physical vitamins that you need. Take some spiritual vitamins. Bolster your spiritual immune system so that if things get bad, on a national level or on a personal level, you're able to endure it. Take advantage of this opportunity while you have it. Guys, we've covered as much as I had prepared. I hope this has been a, a help to some of you. This is obviously very different for us to have service. Um, I would like to ask you all to stand now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Do you don't have to stand? But this is the point in time where I would usually say, "Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed," and somebody would play a song. So we're not going to be able to close the service like this. Uh, I hope this has answered a few questions. If you guys do have something more specific that you'd like to know, guys, I, I am not the greatest source for you know uh, information of confirmed cases. I'm not a doctor. But if you have questions of a spiritual nature, if there is something we can do to help, please, please, by all means, feel free to to contact me personally. Send the church an email. Call the church phone. Whatever we can do, we we want to be there for you as much as we can be. So I hope this has been a help and a blessing. Please feel free to give me some feedback. Uh, Give me some constructive criticism how I can do this better because I've never live streamed a service before. But I hope this has helped. I'm going to close with a word of prayer uh, and then step away. I hope that you've enjoyed the service, and I hope that you join us next Sunday. I believe we'll have to live stream again, so I, I, hope, this, I hope this has helped. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, oh, this feels strange. Sitting behind a, a phone and giving this uh, type of a lesson, Lord, I've, I've tried to say exactly what you've put on my heart, I do pray that you please calm, calm the hearts of the people uh, that are listening. Lord, I pray that you would help them to make use of this extra time to deepen their relationship with each other and with you. Lord, we don't know. I, I, I don't know, Lord, why you would allow this to happen if this is a punishment. If it's not, either way, God, our response is the same. Show us the plague of our own heart. Show us what, we, what we've done wrong and how we can make our relationship right with You. And God, if there's somebody out there listening and they have, they have never prepared their soul for eternity, please, Lord, would today be the day they come to Jesus Christ and find forgiveness for their sins and find a, a peace and reconciliation with You so that whatever happens to the body, their soul is ready. Please, God. Would you minister to their hearts? Show us what opportunities we can take advantage of as the days and weeks pass, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to those around us. Help us to use wisdom and to walk circumspectly, carefully as we do it. Thank you, Father, for your help this morning. And I pray that you please have your hand upon our church and its members. Give us a chance to love each other. we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Folks, I hope this has been a help. And please, like I said, don't hesitate to call if there's anything we can do.